Today, over, and for these next five weeks through the month of October, we're going to tell the stories of old, the stories of the Old Testament and the major themes and ideas that come out of the Old Testament. As I have written recently in the, the newsletter and in some other places, I came across a book that really disturbed me. It simply is called, The Old Testament is Dying. And the purpose of the, the author's purpose was not to, to come along and to, to cherish that and to say that's a good thing, but rather to lament the fact and the reality that in our churches today, in our Christian churches today, that we are paying less and less and less attention to the Old Testament. And the reality is, and his, his supposition is, is that if we allow the Old Testament to die, the New Testament will not be far behind. Because you see, the Old Testament lays such an incredibly important and significant foundation for us as Christians. And when we, and if we were to lose the Old Testament, much like in our Oklahoma culture, the, the cultures of our Native Americans, in trying to, to reclaim and to maintain their native languages, when those languages pass or are dead, then it does something to the culture and to the people of that group. Likewise, the importance of the Old Testament and the importance of telling those stories as part of our own Christian heritage and foundation. Today I want to begin with the story of Revelation. And you may be like me and say, well, Revelation, I thought we were talking about the Old Testament. I signed up for a course. This shows the, my ignorance. I signed up for a course in my PhD studies, the study of Revelation. And it was a surprise to me that we weren't studying the last book of the Bible, that we were studying the act of revelation, of God's revelation. You know, we're familiar with the idea of revelation even in our own culture today. We have what we call, I think, reveal parties today. Now, they come in different shapes and forms. I, I know in the Greek culture, at least in our, our sorority system, our Greek culture, there's, there's the reveal parties in which the, the girls find out who their big or their little sis is. And that's a big event because what was not known is made known through this gathering, through this party. I know in our own families, we use reveal parties to, to share with parents, or excuse me, with grandparents and, and friends and relatives what is the, the gender of the child that is on its way. And so we're familiar with the idea of reveal stories. Let me share a, a big reveal story from, from my own experience. Uh, Gay and I were, uh, I use that term loosely, we were pregnant with uh, our second child. And it was about the fifth month. And uh, well, Gabe was going in for one of those uh, regular routine checkups that was just beginning to start at, at about five months. And so he went in to see the doctor. It was around lunchtime. And if you've ever been kind of the last appointment before lunch, you, you kind of find yourselves alone in the waiting room. And so we were just kind of sitting there waiting and, and being patient. And sure enough, the call came and we went back to visit with the doctor. And, and so the doctor, we were having conversation and Gay was answering all those questions that uh, the five-month pregnant moms answer. And uh, the doctor began to take, take his measurements and to ask questions and, and do the things that doctors do. And, and so we were just kind of humming along, routine. You know, we were veteran parents uh, before having a Morgan was probably about uh, two and a half or three at the time. And uh, so 
Things were kind of winding down, and the doctor looks at us and says, hey, you, you guys got a few minutes? Um, let's go back here and, and look at the ultrasound. And I'm thinking, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> I wasn't planning on the ultrasound today in the doctor's office. And he said, oh, no, no, this, one, this one's on me. So we go back, and, and uh, we, we get, Gay gets prepared, and, and they get the, you know, the, the jelly's warm. Thank goodness, right? And so he gets the jelly, he, he applies that, and he gets his little tool out and begins doing what doctors do. And, and sure enough, there for a while, there's all those dots appear, right? And he begins to help us to identify those dots. He says, wow, look at this. He says, there's a, there's a head, and you see the, the backbone there, and... And there's a foot, and, and there's, a, there's a hand, and look, you can see the fingers. And he said, and there's another head. <laughs> and there's another backbone, and, and there's some more feet. <laughs> wow. This was a revelation I was not prepared for. <laughs> and he goes, what do you think that means? <laughs> Gay was shocked. I thought somebody needed to answer the question. So I said, well, I guess we're having twins or there's something really not good. <laughs> he said, no, you're having twins. And so we began in shock <laughs> to celebrate. And, and again, uh, all the other patients had gone. And so he went and got some of the nurses to, to help celebrate with us and to get us beyond the, the, the shock syndrome of the moment. And we began to celebrate. And at five months, we began to make our preparations for, for twins. I think Gay, my mom called Gay because she knew we were, um, had been to the doctor and, well, are you, you having a boy? Well, yeah, maybe. Well, are you having a girl? Well, maybe. Or maybe we're having both. <laughs> so that's how we revealed to, to my mom. <laughs> what do you mean you're having both? But we're, we understand and we know these moments of revelation and how critical they are. And when we reveal to others, what we're doing is we're making known to others what previously they did not know, or maybe they had not even the possibility of even coming to know and to understand. So as we look at Scripture, what we have to understand is that apart from God's own revelation of Himself, we cannot know God. It is only in the fact and the reality that God chooses to reveal himself to us that we know God. For you see, God is mystery. God is holy other. God is beyond our ability to understand and to know. But thank goodness and praise God that, that God wants to be known. He wants to be in relationship with us. So therefore, God has revealed himself to us in at least three different ways. In fact, I would suggest in three specific ways. It's critical for us to understand the importance of God revealing himself to us. Because you see, too often, we want to make God in our own image. And so as we study ancient and historic cultures, what we see is we see a lot of gods that are made in the image of man and in the image of beast. And what we discover is God reveals himself to us is that he is not, God is not created in our image, but rather we are created in the image of God. 
This morning I want us to, to share, and two of these are very specific to the Old Testament, to share the ways that God has revealed Himself to us so that we might know Him. First of all, what I'm calling the big reveal is the first big reveal is fairly obvious. The first big reveal comes to us in creation. Psalm 19 verse 1, the psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. Do you have that creation story experience in your own life? Maybe you were standing on the beach one day, as I was, and the waves, the breakers just pounded there right on the, ba- right on the beach, right before you, and, and you could hear and you could feel the, the might and the power of the ocean, and it dawned on you, as, as Psalm 95 would say, that we have a mighty God, and as we hear and as we reflect on the strength of the ocean, as it pounds the shore, God is revealing that he is a mighty God. Had the privilege, as you know, in, in Panama of working and ministering on the beach. We were far enough away from the city lights that in the evenings as we'd go out for, for the sunset and as we'd stay into those early night hours, this Oklahoma boy who grew up in the city for the first time in his life, was able to, to look out over the ocean where there were, where was no light pollution, where there was no light from the cities. And on those nights where, where there was no moon, you could see the glory of God. You could see the heavens declare the glory of the Lord as the Milky Way just opened up before you. He goes, wow. Where, where have all those lights, where have all those stars been all of my life? You see, when we, we stand before creation, we can see the glory of God before us. For in His creation, God reveals Himself. I know we have some mountain people here. I'll never forget the opportunity I had to go to, we were in Banff. I had the opportunity to ride the gondola up. It was during spring break and snow covered the ground. And we rode up to the top of that mountain there, looking over the lake and over the city and over the Canadian Rocky Mountains. And as we sat up there for an hour, hour and a half on those snow banks at the top of the mountain, all we could do was declare the glory of God. Because the might and the majesty of that moment God was revealing himself to us in a deep and powerful way. In Romans 1 verse 20, the scripture says, Since the creation of the world, his eternal power and his divine nature have been understood and seen through the things that he has made. So much so that Paul continues in that that beautiful section of Scripture and says, so much so that we are held responsible, that we are without excuse for knowing and understanding that there is a God. But you see, church, creation only offers what I would call a, a general revelation. It's an inadequate revelation to fully and completely begin to try to understand and know God. So God chose to reveal Himself in in a different way, in in a new way. And He chose to reveal Himself through a chosen people. 
And here in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the covenant story of the Old Testament. But we need to understand that, that the second way that God has revealed himself is through a people, through the, the people of Abraham and his descendants. As the Old Testament tells us, through the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, as we follow that line to David and into the New Testament with Joseph. What we discover is that God chose to bless Abraham and his descendants so that he through them could bless the entire world. He could bless all the peoples of the world. As we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, excuse me, chapter 1, again we see the story of how God has chosen to reveal himself to us in Scripture. The Scripture says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. You see, through Abraham, through the Old Covenant, what we would call the Old Testament, God progressively revealed himself to his people and therefore to all peoples through history. Often breaking into history to reveal something new about his nature and his character. In Exodus chapter 3, we have the story of the burning bush where God revealed himself to Moses. When Moses said, who should I tell Pharaoh has sent me? And there in that moment, that burning bush that would not burn and, and go away, that, that caught Moses' attention, Yahweh, the covenant name of God's people, Yahweh declared, I am. I am who I am. I, I was who I was. I will be who I will be. And God revealed himself as that covenant relational God. The people of Abraham, of Moses, as he renewed that covenant as they were there in oppression in Egypt preparing to be freed through the Exodus. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, we, we see the Shema, which is a summary statement of, of the Old Testament and the law. It says, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. And the great revelation that we, we see God revealing here to the people of God is that God is one. There is one God. The people of Israel had been in captivity and bondage in Egypt where there were so many different gods and they were preparing to go into the promised land where the inhabitants of that land worshipped many, many gods. And the revelation of God to Moses and to the children of Israel is that I am one. There is one God. And monotheism is the great revelation of God to Abraham and his descendants that even today we follow and we understand Yet even still, God's revelation through the Hebrew people, through the people of Abraham, was not complete. It was not until the angel of the Lord declared to Joseph that Emmanuel, that God would be born, that God would be with us, would God's revelation finally come to a place of being complete. Thus, John declares, the Word became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. For you see, through Jesus Christ, the big reveal in Jesus is that through Jesus we have a complete and a mature and a perfect 
revelation of who God is. Again, in Hebrews 11, excuse me, 1, verse 2, the Scripture says, But in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. Continuing on, the Son, Jesus, reflects the glory of God and shows exactly what God is like. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 14, Jesus says that the one who has seen me has seen the Father, has seen Abba. Again, Jesus revealing that intimate, personal relationship of who God the Father is. He's not some distant Father. He's Abba. He's Daddy. God that has made Himself known to us through the Son. Church, the good news for today is that God wants to be known And he has chosen to reveal himself through creation, through a people, and through Jesus Christ. And outside of creation, the Old and the New Testament scriptures are the only record of God's revelation that we have. And this is a unique claim, and it's an offensive claim to the world around us. Yet again, God has revealed himself through these ways to bless the entire world, to bless all peoples of all the world. So when we hear and we see reports and studies coming out that say the Old Testament is dying, church, it must concern us. And it must draw our hearts back to to study the entire Scripture testimony. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy. He says, The sacred writings, which would be the Old Testament, the Law, and the Prophets, the sacred writings give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on to say that Scripture is inspired. It's God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness. It is profitable for the way that we are called to live, having experienced and learned from the great revelation of God. Twelve years later, Gay had the chance to go with Alyssa to the doctor. Alyssa had come through that time where she was 12 years old and turning from a young girl into a, a woman. And, and we just noticed some things as she began to, to lose weight. And as only a mom would do at some point, a mom looked at a daughter and said, something's not right here. And so we went to the doctor's office. And through a very simple test, it was revealed to us. It was revealed to, to my daughter. It was revealed to her mom that Alyssa had type 1 diabetes. You see, without the revelation of that truth, the chances are, the likelihood that she would have at some point died was very real. But because we went to a doctor, and because the doctor revealed to us the truth of her condition, He was able to come along and to offer correction. 
to offer instruction and training so that she could learn to care for herself, so that she could learn to take insulin, so that she, her body could function in, in, in some type of normal way. But without that revelation, her life would have been in great jeopardy and risk. We have several type 1 diabetics in our congregation. And if you ask any of them what the number one miracle drug is in the world, they'll tell you it's insulin. Because without insulin, a type 1 diabetic is not long for this world. It's a great miracle. But again, without that truth being revealed and without us then knowing how to be corrected and how to be trained to do the right thing, it would have been devastating and destructive for her life. It's the same way for Scripture. God has chosen to reveal Himself to us through these great stories, through Jesus, through a, peop a people. And the Old and the New Testament offers the record of that revelation so that we might read it. And it is the Word and it is the stories that bring to us the story of salvation. It is the Word that brings to us correction and reproof for our lives. As we read it, as we put our life up against the plumb line of Scripture, we see where our lives have fallen short. And yet God, through His grace and His mercy, have revealed to us truth and correction so that we might follow Him, so that we might live according to His revelation, according to His truth. Church, we cannot know God apart from revelation. And today, this same Spirit that breathed into the Scripture thousands of years ago illuminates this Scripture for us and gives us understanding of this revelation today. And so therefore, that is why it's so important that we look to creation to see the glory of God displayed while we study the Old Testament because it not only records God's revelation to His people, but it lays the foundation for us to be able to understand and to receive Jesus Christ. The message of revelation for us this morning is that there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. We are all lost. We are all in need of salvation. This is what God has revealed to us. Yet Jesus invites each of us to repent. He invites each of us to receive His gift of grace and of forgiveness and of eternal life that we might be born into life everlasting, abundant, and free. Have you received this gift of revelation? Have you embraced this story of faith and of life? If not, why not today? The Father, Abba, calls your name and invites you to respond to the ways that He has revealed Himself to you and to me. Let's pray.